This message comes to you from New Life Derby. Good morning, New Life Church. Wow, what an honor and a privilege to worship with you this morning. I've been so blessed already and I I, I love worshiping with you, just watching what's going on, what God is doing in your midst. And I describe you as a church on a mission, God's mission, but you're fulfilling your own part of the great command and the great commission of Jesus Christ right there in Derby and outside of Derby. I know that people who are watching you this morning from various parts of the world, God is doing great and amazing things through you. And what's wonderful is that you have put Jesus as, at the center. And as long as Jesus is at the center, he will continue to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So I'm so privileged to be part of the service this morning. And again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms and moms-to-be, whether you have biological children or spiritual children. My goodness, you are doing an amazing job. And this morning, God just wants to encourage you. God wants to encourage me as we share the word this morning. You know, when Rachel invited me to, to share the word, um, I thought, you know, on Mother's Day, we, we tend to share traditional Mother's Day messages. And therefore, I think I know what the Lord is saying, and it's not a traditional Mother's Day message. But just a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit was very strong in his promptings about what he wanted to talk to the church about this morning. And so I pray that you'll open up your heart and your mind. Moms, dads, young ones, teenagers, everyone, God wants to speak to you this morning. And I pray that you'll open up your heart and receive his word. Father, thank you for the privilege to share with my family. God, you've made us one family because of the blood of Jesus. And I pray this morning as we share fellowship, as your word comes, I pray that you'll encourage the hearts of your people and that you'll rekindle your love and your fire in their hearts, Lord, to pursue you and to pursue your purpose. And God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the title of my message this morning is, or the message that the Holy Spirit wants to bring, is contending for our children. Um, or you could also call it contending for the next generation. And you might ask, why do we want to hear about contending for the next generation now? But I believe that there is a need to encourage families in these dire times. And we're just going to look at some scriptures and then draw parallels from it for us this morning. And I pray that the Spirit of God will be very clear to you in what he's saying through me this morning. And so contending for our children, there's an African proverb that says that it takes a village to raise a child. And well, in, in the church, it takes a church to raise the next generation. So you might be saying, I don't have children. Oh, you absolutely have children. God has placed them all around you. And so whether they're biological children, as I said, or spiritual children, you have a duty. It's all our duty to raise the next generation. So contending, when you hear that word, what does it say to you? And I looked at the dictionary, some synonyms for contending include battle, and fight, so you get the picture, contending for our children. So I'm gonna read um, what will probably be our main text for this morning, there'll be other scriptures, but I'm just gonna read from Exodus chapter one, first of all, and then we're just gonna look at the points that the Holy Spirit will be pointing out to us this morning. So Exodus chapter one, if you have your Bibles with you, and it probably will also come up on the screen, just um, um, come along with me as we read the word of God. Um, Exodus one verse 15, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, 
gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shepra and Pua. You probably know this story. When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the bedstool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God with profound reverence and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the boy, baby boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and allowed the boy babies to live? The midwife answered Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth quickly and their babies are born before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives and the people of Israel multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God with profound reverence, he established families and households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born to the Hebrews must be thrown into the Nile, but every daughter you shall keep. Now, reading this part of scripture, we're going to read a bit more, but I just want to say at this point, we know the story of the people of Israel in Egypt. And we see Pharaoh revolting against God's own plan for Israel. If, you've, if you remember the story of Abraham, God said to Abraham that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And God raised up Israel as a forerunner of the church that we know today. But look at this story where Pharaoh wanted to abort the purpose of God. He wanted to destroy a nation because he was jealous. He was um, he, he felt insecure about the growth of the nation and he felt that one day they'll overtake Egypt and become a superpower and he wanted to destroy the nation. How? By destroying the baby boys. And so he was contending against the purpose of God, contending against the plan of God. Um, and this, this must have been dire times in the life of Israel. I want you to use your imagination and just think about how mothers would have felt, how fathers would have felt. People giving birth to their sons and their children you know what it's like when you have your baby and the love and the compassion that flows from a mother's heart and then you have to allow that baby because of Pharaoh's command to be thrown into the river and so remember that if there are no boys in a country in a nation you are essentially cutting off the future of that nation because there are no fathers, there are no, um, no, no seed in the future, the women grow up, there's no one to get married to. So, you know, far-reaching far issues for, for the nation if the boys were being thrown into the river and they were being cut off, um, you know, destroyed even before they had started their life. And that was Pharaoh's plan. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 2 again in the Amplified Version. So um, I'm going to read. It says, now a man of the house of the, okay, so let me read from the screen. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Another translation says about this time, a man and a woman from the house of Levi got married. And what is interesting in verse two that we read is that this woman gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was especially beautiful and healthy, she hid him for three months to protect him from the order of Pharaoh. 
And when the Holy Spirit showed me what Moses' mother did, because we know that this child was Moses and he grew up to become the, the leader of Israel, when she saw and, and saw this baby was born and perceived in her heart that there was something about this baby, Moses' mother fought and she said, my son will not die. My son will not follow the path that the king has ordered. I will fight for this child. He will be delivered. And now I want to bring it home to us and just have, just have a little thing. In that time, there might not be a directive for boys, for baby boys to be destroyed or for our children to be destroyed. But I tell you something, there are lots of forces contending against our children. We know that the curriculum has things in there that are anti-God, anti the standard of God. We know that there are sicknesses. We know that there are pandemics. We know that there are things out there that are fighting against the future of our unborn children and fighting against our own children. And God is encouraging us this morning that we can stand like Moses's mom and say, yes, the king has commanded, the king has sent out a directive, but my son will be different from the others. We have that power and that ability, and we're going to see how this morning contending for our children. What does contending mean? It means standing up against everything that does not align with the will and the purpose of God for our children. It means everything that does not align with God's future and God's design for them. So let's just look at this. In the midst of Israel's darkest days where death loomed all around and evil seemed inevitable for every mother and family in Israel, Moses' mom said, and his or his parents said, my son will not die, I don't care what's happening, and this one is going to live. Why does God want us to contend for our children? Why does God think that it is worth fighting for our children? Because there is so much, as I said before, that is rising up against our kids in this time. And God is interested in our seed. Our children are his seed and he wants them to fulfill his plans in the earth. So I just wanna encourage you this morning, they are not just your children, they are actually God's children. <laughs> it was God's design to give you children to fulfill his plans and his purposes on the earth. And I just want to read Malachi 2 verse 15. It says, in the Amplified, I believe it says, didn't the Lord make you, or in the NLT, sorry, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. I just want to read again. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit, you are his. And what does God want? godly children from your union. I want you to see right there that your children, if you're born again and you serve the Lord, or even if your mom who is born again and your husband is not born again, it's still God's purpose for, for the next generation to be godly because that's how God is going to bring his, plan, his purposes and plans to pass in the earth. And I don't have that scripture here, but in Joel 2.28, a scripture that we probably know very well, it says it shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. God is raising sons and daughters to prophesy. Now, sometimes people think that prophecy means 
to foretell about the future. It means that, but that's not the only thing that prophecy is. Prophecy is about encouragement. It's about declaring the will of God to, the, to, 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 to the, those around you, to the church, you know, to a brother, to a sister. And God is saying that as he pours out his spirit upon our sons and our daughters, they will raise up the standard of Jesus Christ. They will speak his word and they will speak his word in season. And that's why God wants us to contend for our children. They are people, the next generation is on a mission to fulfill the purpose and the plans of God in this season. And in, in Psalm 144 verse 12 is a scripture that I really love. It says that may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. When I read that scripture, it fills me with such joy because God has a picture for our children. Our sons like well-nurtured plants, strong and resilient and green. In other words, prosperous in every single thing that they do. And look at our daughters like pillars, the beautifier palace, which speaks of elegance and confidence and strength. Because right now, there's so many things that are trying to weaken our children, make them forget about their identity. But God wants wants our girls to be strong, elegant, confident in who they are, raising up the banner of Jesus, and our boys strong and vigorous, and knowing who they are in Christ, and leading the way for others to follow Jesus. And so let's talk about how do we contend for our children? Just remember this morning, again, I said, it's not just those who have biological children, it's every single one of us. And before I just talk about how we contend for our children, remember the story of Jesus when he was born and his parents took him into the temple and Simeon came out and began to prophesy about this child. Simeon was not a relative. And I, I doubt if Mary and Joseph knew him before that visit to the temple, but he came prophesying about Jesus. And not only did he prophesy, he said, now let your servant depart in peace. And if you're a granddad or a grandmom or you haven't even got children, remember God is depending on you to prophesy over the next generation. As you're praying, he will give you pictures of what he wants to do through the youth in Derby. As you pray, he's going to give you words to give to those young ones. And if you read that scripture where Simeon came out to prophesy, Anna, a widow who had lived in the temple for a long time praying after her husband had died, also came out and began to prophesy over Jesus. Again, not a relative, not his biological grandmother or anything, but God had given her a word for Jesus. And I want you to know this morning that God is giving you words for those children around you so that you can prophesy over them and they can begin to run with the purpose and the vision of God for their lives. So how do we contend for our children? And the first thing I'm going to look at this morning is that we contend by faith. In Hebrews 11, a scripture again that is quite popular, Hebrews 11, 23 and 24, it says, By faith, Moses, after his birth, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful and divinely favored child and they were not afraid of the king's decree. You know, I love this scripture. In verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now let's think about Moses' mom. You know, I did a lot of research and I know as a Bible student, and you probably know this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by 
the word of God. So when God speaks, faith rises up in our hearts. And I began to think, what word did Moses' mom hear that made her step out in faith? What made her, what did she hear that made her look at Moses and think, not my son, this child is different. Whatever she received from the Lord was enough to make sure she was not afraid of the king's commandment and, and, and her husband as well, because it says Moses' parents. So it's not just the mom's job, it's, a, it's the father as well. What word did she hear? And the point is this, that God is speaking, you to, speaking to you this morning, speaking to families this morning about your children, about the situation you are facing. And I don't know what that situation is. It could be, you know, I've heard recently, so many kids are facing social anxiety as they go back to school. So many children are faced with peer pressure and they don't know how to approach things. And many parents are also afraid, Releasing their kids in this time, you know, in, in the light of the pandemic, in terms of so many social pressures. And God is saying, receive the words that I'm speaking to you for your children and let fear, put fear aside. Because when Moses' mom heard that word she heard, she said, no, I'm not going to bow at the king's command. And the Bible says she was not afraid of Pharaoh's decree. What, what word has God given you? It doesn't mean that it's a word that you know comes directly to you. It could come from your pastor. It could come from a sister. It could come from a brother. But I want you to know that God is always speaking. If some of you might know the, the parable of the sower in the book of Mark chapter four, and I love that picture the Holy Spirit gave me in that parable where the, the sower was throwing seed, throwing seed. And that speaks to my mind that God is always speaking. God is always speaking to you about what you're going through. And God wants to embed his word in your heart to take away every fear regarding your children. And so I want you this morning to begin to think about those areas where you're fearful for your children, where you're not so sure about their future, and begin to ask the Holy Spirit, please speak to me. And God wants to speak to you. When my last son was born, I have three boys. When my last son was born and somebody gave me a card, um, and on that card, they would written some words for him. And somehow I knew those were words straight from the Holy Spirit. And what did I do with those words? They were prophetic words. I wrote them down in my notebook, in my journal. And every now and again, I've transferred it to my mobile phone now. And every now and again, I speak those words over him. If I'm unsure about certain areas of his life, I speak those words over him. And I begin to commune with the Holy Spirit to say to me what exactly his heart is for my child. Now, the second point following on from that then is that we, first of all, I said by faith, so we receive the word of God in every situation. And that word uproots fear. God's word is always an invitation to rest and to deny fear. Now, the second thing that we do to contend for our children is to pray for them in faith. Now, you might say, I already knew that. But you know, sometimes when we pray about situations, we come fearful, we come fretting. But the greatest way to pray and always know you'll have answers is to pray in faith. And I'm very quickly going to read 1 John chapter 5, 14 to 16. And I just want you to listen to this script. I think it's quite powerful because there's a key right in there. And it says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, 
So pay attention to those words. We have a remarkable degree of confidence before God that if we ask anything according to his will that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And in verse 15, if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the request which we have asked of him. And I'm going to stop at that verse 15. But this is so important because linking it to the first point, when you hear God's word about your child and then you pray on the basis of that word, God is saying that you will have that which you've asked even before asking because it is in line with his will. So again, I ask you the question, what is God saying about your child? What is God saying about that situation? What is God saying about the next generation? And as you pray and come with that confidence, knowing God has spoken, God says, it's as good as done. Hallelujah. And you know, these are principles, even for our own private lives. Whatever it is you're going through, say, God, what are you saying? Now, when you know what God is saying and you pray in faith with that confidence, knowing what God is saying, God says, it's as good as done. Hallelujah. And you know, um, the third thing I was going to say with talked about receiving the word of God for our children. We've talked about praying in faith in line with the word that we receive on a regular basis from the Lord. And the third thing I was going to talk about is godly example and training. You know, I'm looking at the time now, but I, I remember, and if you look at that scripture, I believe in Exodus chapter 2, um, and let's quickly, yes, that's it. Exodus chapter 2, 9 to 11. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. In verse 11, one day after Moses had grown into adulthood, it happened that he went to his countrymen and looked with compassion at the hard labels, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his countrymen. Now, do you know with the story of Moses, something that comes to my mind is that Moses had very little time with his mom. So he was a baby where she could hide him no longer. You know, sometimes we're afraid of sending our children to school or when they've, they're ready for university going away, when she could hide Moses no longer. You know, it comes to a point where we have to let them go. Moses, um, Moses' mom gave over Moses, as it were, to God. I can't do any more with this child. God, I, I trust him to you that you'll look after him. And that's what she did. But Miriam was there looking after him, you know, making sure just to find out what will happen to him. And God took over from that point. But also Moses' mom had the privilege to get back Moses as a baby and win him and then hand him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Now, what's interesting is that I had a little research and you only have about I think you win a child up to about the age of some place. Some people say two years, some say four, but let's just say it's a maximum of five years. Do you know what that means? That in five years, whatever Moses's mom drilled into Moses was enough, as we saw in verse 11, I believe, to make him recognize that he was not an Egyptian and he had a strong sense of who he was and his identity. And so your you're living for Jesus before your children and all the training, encouraging them to come to church, to study the word of God for themselves is so important because that 
that that designs the identity or that creates the identity rather from a really young age and it's so important in the world out there because a day comes when they'll have to go and you entrust them to jesus but all of that training and nurturing and prayers god will use to help them stand strong in the midst of the opposition to his word you know my mom i remember my mom with great fondness today and i describe my mom as a female version of elijah the difference between my mom and Elijah is that when Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah, my mom wouldn't have been running away or hiding in any case. She would have said, I dare you in the name of Jesus, you can't touch me. <laughs> and she's such a courageous woman, a woman whose prayers have made us what we are today, me and my siblings, every one of us is born again. I'm serving Jesus passionately. And it wasn't just because she trained us, it was because I know there were nights when I'd hear her praying for us. And every situation you bring to my mom, she's always praying, lifting up before the Lord. But I also know that there were things we could not do, that other children were allowed to do. And when I was growing up, I thought my mom was mean. And I thought she was a really strict person. And I didn't really like that kind of upbringing. But today I look back and I give Jesus all of the praise. So you might not be very popular with your children because you're putting your foot down and saying, this is the way that we're going to do it in this home. I tell you, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength and the courage to see it through. And one day they're going to thank you. The scripture that Rachel referred to, she said that her children rise to call her blessed. Means they grow up to declare she is blessed. Today I rise up to declare that my mom is blessed. And I have a huge respect and huge appreciation for her. And I pray this morning, maybe you haven't been getting things right in your family. And you haven't started right. There is always a new day. There's always a fresh start. Place the word of God at the center of your home and do as much as you can to, to do, you know, to, to walk the talk and demonstrate Jesus in the lives of your children so that they have a role model because we know that children copy a lot, you know, from what they see in the home. And, and this morning, I just want to encourage you and I just want to ask you that every child is so unique. You know, one size does not fit all. And the only one that can help us to make sure that we meet the needs of this child is the Holy Spirit. We must, you, know, you could train children in exactly the same way and they end up going and completing or end up in different ways. But when we trust the Holy Spirit, it gives us a wisdom on a daily basis to give them what they need, whether it's advice or encouragement or rebuke or discipline. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, and we all know that scripture. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, it says, train up a child. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong reference. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, it says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And one translation says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your friend. And he wants to teach you and guide you on this journey. And I, I pray this morning that you have received God's word. He's encouraged you. God is for you. God wants to build families that will represent him. And I know he's doing a great work in Derby right now. As you think about the next phase and it's a new season for the church. I believe God is so interested in the youth in the next generation. And I pray right now over the church in the name of Jesus 
the Father, every prophecy over every child and over the next generation, oh God, will come to pass. As your people begin to hold on to you and begin to seek your face, oh God, for each child, oh God, for every teenager, Father, for every baby, for every toddler. God, I see you raising a generation of young people who are not afraid, oh God, of the King's command, who will not bow to peer pressure. Father, I pray right now, are there families that are struggling? Are there families that are brokenhearted because of the pain of the past in one way or the other? Jesus, thank you that you are the healer of a broken heart. You are the one that binds up the brokenhearted. God, are there people, oh God, who have not had a good experience of motherhood? and have fallen out with their children. Jesus, the balm of Gilead, I pray for restoration. I pray for the heart to forgive. And I pray that there'll be healing in families, oh God. I pray, God, that there will be bringing back together because your will and your purpose is for the family to be united so that you can work in the earth. And I pray that that will be the experience of your children this morning, of God, who are hurting and facing one challenge or the other. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that those who have opened up their hearts to hear your word concerning specific areas, oh God. Father, some children might be facing illness. They might be facing a doctor's report. Lord, we choose to believe your report that by your stripes we are healed. And so any child that is suffering any sickness, God, it could be terminal, it could be debilitating, it could be a long-term illness, oh God, it's a sentence, oh God, over their lives. Lord, this morning we ask, you are the healer, the God who does the impossible. Let there be a reversal of that sentence, Lord, and let them enjoy the life that only you can give. Lord, I pray again your blessings over families and over moms today, that as we draw closer to hear your word and to develop that intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that we'll know your heart more and more for the children you've given us, for the ones you've placed around us in the church. And I thank you, God, that you're doing mighty things through our children. And we give you all the praise and the glory, Father. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord has encouraged you this morning and has strengthened you. And I thank him for what he's doing in New Life Church. For more information, please visit newlifederby.org.uk